Great stuff. It's good to be together. It's good to be in God's presence. And um, we're going to look this morning is the third part, as Mike said, the final part in our three-part series that I've been doing over the last times I've been speaking, where we've been really just trying to unpack and explore uh, Proverbs 13, verse 12, a very well-known proverb, if you are familiar with the Bible, which says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. And so we've been looking at this over a few weeks. The first week was unpacking the second half of that proverb, which looked at uh, a desire fulfilled is a tree of life, and looking at the fact that God gives us permission to dream, that actually God is the ultimate dreamer in the universe. And as his people, if you're a Christian here this morning, you're called to dream with him and to have big dreams. And he loves to give us dreams. And when we see them fulfilled, it unlocks kind of supernatural life in us and in the community around us. Uh, we then, last time I spoke, we looked at the, the first part of the, of the verse, which says that um, hope deferred makes the heart sick. So we really were just exploring the effect of disappointment upon us, that if we don't handle it well, it builds this wall around our heart and, and prevents us from dreaming. And so today, we're going to kind of bring that together, really. And I want to be just very practical this morning and, and really look at how do we, therefore, better handle disappointment so that when it comes, how do we make sure that it doesn't cause this wall to build up around our heart? How do we work with disappointment and work around it so that actually we can end up fulfilling the dreams that God has put on our heart? And you remember that the, the reason that I felt God kind of started this journey, certainly for me, uh, in provoking me was this, you heard this quote that was given uh, by a, a pastor in America who pastors a church of 1,000 in a town that has a population of 3,000. So things are obviously going fair well. Uh, And when he was asked what the secret of his leadership success was, he replied this. He said, the secret of my success as a leader is I've learned how to navigate disappointment without downsizing my dreams. And I just remember that that God just really struck me with that and thought, well, you know, just spoke right into my heart as saying, actually, then you've not navigated disappointment very well and you've downsized your dreams. And actually, we want to do something about unlocking this and changing the way that we're thinking. And we just feel this is really important for us as a church and God's people that if we look at this subject and work out how do we therefore handle and navigate disappointment well so that we can be a people that see God's dreams fulfilled in us and through us. Because when we come to disappointment, and disappointment will always happen, we have two choices. It's like a fork in the road. One road we go down, which is what we looked at before, that building this wall of disappointment around our hearts, cynical thinking, low expectations. That's one road we can go down. But the other fork in the road is where we can handle disappointment well. And the framework we're going to use to to kind of look and hopefully try and remember how do I handle disappointment well is we're going to use an acronym. And I did have to double-check the definition to make sure I'd use the right word there. So we're going all posh today. Um, we don't often do posh, do we? But we are today. This is as posh as we get. So we're going to use the acronym DREAMS as a way of remembering how do we handle disappointment well. We want to take that fork in the road, don't we, rather than the other one. Okay, so D, the D of DREAMS. What do we do, first of all, when we hit disappointment? What's the first thing we need to do? Well, the first thing is demolishing the wall of disappointment. Uh, We unpacked this a lot more a couple of weeks ago, but suffice to say that I think sometimes when God brings something to your attention, when he he kind of puts something in your mind, makes you realize that something is a problem that you never really thought was a problem, suddenly you start, you're forewarned, aren't you? Suddenly you suddenly realize, actually, you know, living with low expectations and a cynical mindset, when suddenly God shows you, hang on, look, that isn't the way I want you to think. That isn't the way that you're intended to think. 
that actually it's not just part of your personality. It's actually something wrong, and we need to change that. As soon as you realize that's not God's best for you, I don't know about you, but I suddenly find myself realizing that and recognizing thoughts that are coming into my mind ahead of time. So, you know, even in the last few weeks, when, when I've been hitting things or just feeling that weight of kind of sense of, oh, things aren't quite what I want them to be, you know, thoughts are coming to my head about kind of, well, low, you know, lower your expectations then, don't expect too much. And now I'm aware and thinking, no, no, come on, that's not right. That's, that's not the way that God wants me to think. That's not God's intention for me anyway. And I think it's all about taking thoughts captive. And sometimes when you recognize that that thought isn't a good thought, suddenly you're able to take it captive and do something with it. The Bible talks a lot about taking thoughts captive and seeing our mind renewed. So the first thing we need to do when we come to disappointment, when we hit disappointment, is not allow that wall of disappointment to be built up again in our hearts. If you've been working with the Holy Spirit or trying to knock that down, then actually you don't want it to be built up again, do you? You don't want those bricks of low expectations and cynical thinking. You don't want them to start building up around your heart again. So it might be that something comes into your mind, something happens and you just think, maybe I just expected too much. But actually the way to handle that is to say, no, that isn't how God wants me to think. That's not the thought process God wants me to have. And you might use scripture to kind of counter some of these thoughts. Ephesians 3 verse 20, for example, says, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we all ask or think according to the power at work within us. So what that's saying is actually you can never expect too much of God. You can't, out, you can't out expect God. He says he can do far more than you ask or even imagine. So you can't come to God and say, well, maybe I just expected too much of you. Maybe, maybe, you know, I got it a bit wrong. He said, no, 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 actually, God can do far more than we can ask or imagine because of his power at work in us. So the minute I start thinking about low expectations, you've got, I've got to counter that and think, no, I'm going to, that brick is getting into the wall. I'm going to kick it out of the way straight away. Before the cement has even had a chance to set, I want to clear that deck. I, I don't want that wall to build up around my heart. The same goes for cynical ways of thinking as well. For example, if um, I know God has spoken to me about seeing people healed and praying for people and seeing people healed from physical things, and, and if I'm praying for someone and nothing happens, then there's a thought that goes into my head that says, well, nothing's ever going to change. God's not really going to use you to see other people healed. And actually, thoughts I need to take captive and say, no, that isn't what God has said. That's actually downsizing a dream. And I can use verses like John 14, verse 12, where Jesus himself said, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than, he's, than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. So Jesus says, if you believe in him, if you're a Christian, if you have faith in him, then actually you're going to do the works that he did. And so I need to start choosing to believe that rather than my cynical thinking that things are, nothing's going to change, nothing's nothing's ever going to happen. So the first thing we have to do is take our thoughts captive and not allow that wall to be built again. We need to get good at demolishing the wall, kicking the bricks away, being ruthless and saying, look, I'm not going to allow that wall to build up around my heart again. So when we hit disappointment... We make sure we demolish the wall and keep it demolished from building around our hearts. The second thing we need to do is R. Remember that God is good all the time. It's a bit like Sesame Street this morning. Okay. Today's letter is R. Okay. So R, remember that God is good all the time. Now, questioning the goodness of God is Satan, God's enemy. That's his, 
that's the first trick in the book. It's the first lie in the book. In the Garden of Eden, when Satan, God's enemy, came to Eve, basically what he said to her was, God's told you not to eat anything from that tree, the tree of life, the good and evil. And Satan said to Eve, made a question, God's goodness, and said, do you really believe that God's got your best intentions at heart? Do you really believe that when God said, don't eat from that, he's actually got your, your good, he's got, he wants good things for you? Or do you think he actually is withholding something good from you? Is he trying to prevent you having something that will do you good? He caused Eve right from that moment, mankind right from that moment, Adam and Eve, to question the goodness of God. Is God really good to me? And you know, that's what he continues to do now. And the minute we hit a disappointing moment, whenever we feel disappointed, something we've wanted to happen hasn't happened or looks like it's never going to happen, one of Satan's chief tactics to us is to cause us to question the goodness of God. Is he really good? Does he really want good things for me? Is he able to give me good things? Is that really what his intentions are for us? But the truth is that God, by very nature, is good. It's not just that his actions are good. It's actually that who he is, is good. For example, from the Bible, Psalms 34 verse 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 84 verse 11, For the Lord is a sun and a shield, The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Those who are his people. Psalm 119, verse 68. You are good and you do good. And Jesus himself said in John 10, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. He could have just said, I am the shepherd. I'm the one who cares for the flock. I'm the one who leads. But he says, I'm the good shepherd. It's like it says in that Psalm 119, not only is God good who he is, he does good things. If it was just an action, because we all do good, don't we? But also we do evil as well. But God himself is good by very nature. He cannot stop being good. And he enjoys it as well. Jeremiah 32 verse 41, I will rejoice in doing them good with all my heart and with all my soul. There's a big smile on God's face. He loves doing good. It's just an outworking of who he is. He cannot stop being good. God doesn't have a a bad day and just think, actually, today, do you know, I just can't be bothered. Today, I just just need some space for myself. I'm just not going to do good to anybody. It's just because of who he is. He is just good. It just flows from him. So no matter what's happening to our dreams, no matter what's happening in our circumstances, you might have be living in a place and you've got this dream for something that you feel God spoke to you about or something that you just love to see happen in your life and you feel like your life is going in opposite angles from where your dream is. No matter what is happening, the answer is never that God has stopped doing good to his people. The answer is never that God has stopped being good to you. The answer is never that he's punishing you or that he's trying to teach you a lesson the hard way. No matter what the answer is, it isn't that God has stopped being good, because he is good all the time. It's who he is. He can't stop being good. So we have to hold on to that. We have to cling to that when we hit disappointment. It helps us to navigate disappointment well, that if we remember that God is good all the time. Okay, E, explanations are not essential. Now, one of the idols of our culture, in Western culture, we, we've idolized understanding and thinking and reasoning. In itself, it's not a bad thing. I mean, how many great discoveries have been made through people's desire to understand more? 
we wouldn't have known half the things we know or invented half the things we've invented if people hadn't had a desire to understand more. But a good thing can actually end up becoming a bad thing when it's worshipped, when it's held up as the ultimate thing and, and something to be um, worshipped. Because in our culture, what, what we've done with understanding is that we've done two things. One is that we feel we're owed an explanation for absolutely everything. So we feel we have a right to understand everything. And, and therefore, I'm sometimes part of my human rights to understand everything and get an explanation. And the second thing which it's become is that we think that understanding something will lead us to a place of peace. So we think, if I understand it, it'll make me feel better. If, if I can only understand what's going on here, then it'll all be all right. That'll be fine. I just need to understand it, and then everything will be fine. I'll be happy, and, and life will continue. But it's actually, those two things are misguided. Because when we hit disappointment, as a, as, as a Christian often, and as many non-Christians as well, when you hit a disappointing moment in life, one question that often comes out is, why, God, did you let this happen? Why, why, have, you, why have you let this happen, God? What's going on? I mean, if you've never articulated that question, I bet you've thought of it. Some, some people, some Christians, you might have heard even saying, when I get to heaven, I'm going to have a word with God. Okay, I'm sure you're laughing because you've heard someone else say it, never yourselves. Um, yeah, I'm going to get, when, when there's a bit of a quiet moment in eternity, I'm going to pull God to one side and we're going to have it out. You know, I want him to explain to me why this happened in life or why this didn't happen in my life. I want to know. He owes me an explanation. But actually, if we live like that, if we think we owed an explanation and if we think that somehow it leads us to peace, then we're actually going to get stuck in a place. We're going to get stuck in disappointment. The godly approach, as you would expect, is the opposite of what what I've just described there. The first response is really that we've got to recognize that God doesn't owe us an explanation at all. God absolutely, explanations are just not essential. God himself does not owe us an explanation for anything that goes on in our lives. The greatest example of this is in the Old Testament, in the book of Job. I think the battery's going on now. Let me just take this. Okay, so the, the classic story about this is in the Old Testament, it's in the book of Job. And Job, really, he had a pretty disappointing life. I'm not going to describe it all to you, just to say, if you don't know the story, go and read it. Um, it was quite a disappointing life. It makes our lives look pretty good, frankly. Uh, he had everything wiped out. That's the basic summary, okay? Everything went. And the story goes through Job, where um, himself and his friends, his really helpful friends, uh, were spending lots of time asking questions. Why is this happening? What's gone on? Why are you doing this, God? Uh, and, and it was all just a bit of a mess, really. And then when you get to chapter 38, God replies to all these questions that have been going up as to why has this happened in my life? Why has this happened in Job's life? What's going on? And I'm not going to read it all, but if you want to read um, in Job 38, it starts like this. Said, then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. That in itself would have been quite a scary moment, wouldn't it? And said, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man, and I will question you, and you make it known to me. I think at that point you would have realized this isn't going to go well. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. 
Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. And it goes on. God coming back to Job and basically in his friends and saying, I don't owe you an explanation. I'm God. Okay, I'm the creator. You're the creatures. I know you don't. That's how it is. And Job's response is quite enlightening in, in chapter 42, where Job answered the Lord after what is equivalent of four chapters of God's response. And good Job just says to God, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. He humbles himself and says, actually, God, you know everything and I don't. And that's OK. And that's cool. So we're not owed an explanation from God. The second thing we have to realize in that is that also that peace does not come through understanding. That as Christians, we have access to peace through the Holy Spirit. It says in Philippians uh, 4 verse 7, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. So as Christians, we don't have to find peace through understanding. You don't have to have an explanation to feel peaceful. In fact, understanding won't get you there. The Holy Spirit will. It's a bit like this. If you imagine that you're trying to travel to a, a town called Peace, and it's just south of, of London, and imagine you're coming down from the north, and, and you go into London, if you imagine it's called Understanding. It's called the city called Understanding. Imagine you've got no map. You've got no work sat nav or anything like that. But you know that if you want to get to peace, you've got to drive through understanding. This great big city called understanding. And I think most of us will get very lost. You'll be driving down roads. You get stuck in traffic. You'll be coming back on yourselves. The chances of getting through London to get to where you wanted to go to are very minimal. You get lost in there for years. Yet actually, at some moment in the middle of this journey, you look up and you realize that someone's built this massive, great flyover over the city called understanding and you realize that actually if back at the beginning of your journey you'd taken the junction off and you got onto this flyover you would have been able to straight over the city called understanding and you would have found peace without having to go through it at all and that flyover is the holy spirit that actually supernaturally we can surpass understanding and actually get to a place of peace through him Understanding is okay, and if God does speak to you and gives you an explanation, then fantastic. That's brilliant. But if he doesn't, don't demand one. Just trust him that actually he knows what he's doing. In the absence of an explanation, don't make one up. Don't be like Job's friends to each other and say, look, I'll tell you why, God, this is happening in your life, because God's trying to do this, this, and this. No, 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 no. <laughs> don't speak on God's behalf. The best thing you can do is actually pray for them and, and bring them peace and say, Holy Spirit, come and bring them peace. Explanations are not essential. If we do demand them, if we seek them, then actually often we get stuck in disappointment. So E, explanations are not essential. The next one of how we handle disappointment well is A, allow ourselves to be honest with God. There is a stark danger that when you get this far and you think, okay, well, I, I need to trust God. I need to believe he's good all the time. I'm not going to demand an explanation. Maybe then I just need to put a lid on my emotions. I need to suppress it all, keep it all in, put on a brave face and just kind of grit my teeth and plug on through life. Well, actually, the opposite is true. It's okay 
And it's actually quite helpful, to be honest with God, about how you're feeling. Because the truth is that actually, when you live with unfulfilled dreams, it's quite painful. It's quite hard work. It's not a straightforward thing. That actually emotions, a lot of emotions are generated in those times that actually just really, they're a struggle. They're hard. And God wants us to be honest with him about what we're feeling. Honest with him about the journey we're on. Sometimes you might be in a place where all you're doing is seeing other people getting their dreams fulfilled and not you. And that's painful. That's really hard. It might be that someone else has got the same dream as you and theirs is getting fulfilled and yours isn't. That's really painful. And that's okay. It's okay to, to express that pain. You don't have to just bottle it up and keep it inside. Actually, processing that emotion is healthy. God, God can handle it. He wants us to express that emotion with him. He wants us to process it with him. What he doesn't want us to do is to keep it to ourselves and, and withdraw from him. He wants us to engage with him in the process of dealing with that emotion. It's not about accusing God. It's not about coming to him and pointing the finger and, and telling him that he's this or he's that. It's actually coming to him and saying, Dad, this hurts. Heavenly Father, actually at the moment, this really hurts. This is a real struggle. Because that's what he wants us to do. In those times, engage with him and actually take the pain and take it to him. I mean, if you read through the Old Testament, the book of Psalms, it's just such a great example to us of how to process emotion with God. Many of the Psalms start in a place of, where are you, God? What's going on? Have you left me? Like, I don't know where you are. Why, is, why are my enemies winning and, and you're not? A real honest kind of place of emotion of saying, look, this doesn't seem to be right. My, the dream seems to be we're going in the opposite direction. But actually, when you read through Psalms, you realize that he moves, the psalmist moves. When engaging with God in those times, he moves from a place of pain through to a place of worship. Those Psalms are always finished with a sense of worship, a sense of recognition of who God is and what he means and how he feels towards us. So we need to allow ourselves to be honest with God when we're disappointed. That's cool. That's good. He can handle it. He wants us to promote, to process that with him, to engage with him and get time. You might want to even psalm it out yourself. You might want to write. You might want to speak it out to him. Whatever works for you, but you need to take that pain to God. Don't distance yourself from him. He wants us to engage. It helps us to navigate disappointment well. If we don't, then we'll end up getting stuck in that place. We'll get stuck in a place of disappointment, building a wall around our heart, and we'll never again be dreaming. Okay, so demolishing the wall of disappointment, remembering that God is good all the time, explanations aren't essential, allowing ourselves to be honest with God. M, mend relationships quickly. It's key if we're going to be a people that navigate disappointment and see dreams fulfilled. Because often dreams can actually, things that we've had in our heart, things we wanted to accomplish, actually can be derailed by other people. Other people's actions, other people's evil can actually cause our dreams to hit the buffers, to, to kind of fall off the track. And that's really hard. That, that's really hard when someone else has caused what you wanted to happen to not happen. I mean, it could be any multitude of things and, and you just need to fill in the blanks for your own life. It could be that you were, had an accident at work, someone else was negligent, and you're now living with long-term pain as a result of someone else's negligence. It could be that your husband has left you 
and your dream is gone. It's in tatters because of someone else's actions. It could be many, many things, I know. And I'm sure you all have individual situations. The truth is that damages relationships with people. It damages how we are with people because of the hurt that comes from people knocking us off track. But we need to have an attitude that says, I'm going to mend relationships as quickly as I can. I'm going to be committed to putting things right with people as quickly as I can. Uh, great verses to kind of remind ourselves of this and to kind of be almost like a mantra to us is something like Romans 12, verse 18, which says, If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. I love that verse. It's so helpful. He's saying you can't change anybody else. You can't make them apologize. You can't make them put it right. You can't make them recompense you for what happened, but you can live peaceably with them. As far as it depends on you, make sure your heart is peaceful towards them. Make sure you've forgiven them. You've cleared your account. Make sure that you're able to look at them in the eye and, and feel peace towards them. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with all of those around you. Romans 15, 5 to 7 talks about living harmoniously in order to glorify God. So many people get stuck in this place that actually they, they've hit a point where they've, they, there's a relationship problem or a problem with a person. And because they haven't dealt with it well, they're just stuck in that place. And when you talk to them, they're, they're, they often, after a while, will start referring back to this moment in their life, 5, 10, 20, 30 years ago. And you know that actually they haven't moved on from that place at all. They're still stuck there. Because actually they can't forgive someone or this person or that person. It ends up leaving them bitter. And they're stuck in unforgiveness. And they're not seeing any dreams fulfilled. They're not happy. They're not living life. Because they're actually referring back to this moment in life where this happened. It's hard. And the Holy Spirit helps us. But actually our call, if we're going to get past that, is to mend relationships as quickly as we can. Don't collude with our enemy. He wants to fracture relationships. He wants to bring division. That's the key way of derailing God's plans. Make sure that we're always forgiving and mending relationships. So coming to the last bit, the S. How do we, how do we, what's the last piece of our framework for handling disappointment well? Start every day afresh and get dreaming. Now there's, there's, there's a certain kind of way of thinking in our society that says that maturity is when you get serious and miserable okay that's what we're looking for that's the goal in everyone's life actually as i get older and more mature i get more serious and more miserable you know people that have fun and childlike they're dreaming they're just childish yeah people that you know a bit naive they kind of they kind of think optimistic thoughts well that's not real life i'm mature and i realize that and i'm serious and i'm miserable and that's the goal that i'm attaining for that's not how we're supposed to be. That's not even how God intended us to be. Jesus spoke often to his disciples and said, look, look at these children, actually. There's elements of their life that you need to keep true to you. That their, their, kind of, their, their optimism, their desire, their, their ability to see the, the dream, to see what could be rather than what isn't. I want you to keep hold of that, is what Jesus was telling his disciples. So we need to live with a mindset that wakes up every day and says, do you know, today could be the day when the dreams that I've got start being fulfilled. It could be today. Today could be that day. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 2 says, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. 
And salvation there is the word sozo, which means a restoration of wholeness, all things coming back to perfection. So it's not just about a ticket to heaven. It's about everything being restored back to God's order. Today is the day that that could be taking place. We need to be waking up every day and thinking, do you know, it could be today. It could be today that stuff starts coming together. Things start coming together that God has put in my heart. There's no need for us to bring yesterday's disappointment into today. There's just no need. It's not helpful. We need to have a, a mindset that says, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wake up today and I'm going to choose to think differently. I'm going to choose to believe God. I'm going to choose to believe that today could be the day of salvation. Now, a really great way of illustrating this is a, um, I used this a couple of months ago. So if you heard this, then you'll benefit from hearing it again. If you've not heard it, then I'm sure you'll help you. This is a guy called Phil Moore who's written some books and he's a Bible teacher. And he's talking here about handling disappointment and this whole thing of starting afresh each day with God. And he uses the illustration of an airlock. You know, if you're moving from one place of air pressure to another, then you have to enter an airlock. You have to go through one door into a, into a room and then one door shuts and then the other door opens so you can move out in without kind of dying. So the airlock kind of helps you through the different air pressures. And this is what he says about uh, that illustration. He says, you may have questions of your own to ask Jesus about the disappointments and failures of your own walk with him. Perhaps you have known tragedy in your family life, a loved one who died, a marriage which failed, a child who backslid, a dream which never came to pass. Perhaps, like me, for more, you were involved in a church plan or missionary endeavor which failed. If you are like me or the whole host of Christians who struggled with disappointment and despair, I can't give you the answers that you're looking for, but I can tell you what to do with your questions. Step into God's airlock. Hear the doors close tightly shut against your past. Lay your questions at Jesus' feet and then make sure that you leave them there. Confess your hurt and disappointment and then renounce your confusion and complaints. Tell God that you trust him, even without him giving you the answers to your questions. And then hear the door slide open to your fresh start of walking with God. Feel the pleasant expanse of space and freedom from the constricting walls of confusion. That's what it means to start afresh every day. It's even a choice sometimes. You don't feel it. But to say, look, I'm going to step through that airlock today. I'm going to let the doors shut to yesterday. I'm going to see those doors open to today. And believe you, God, that actually that blue sky, that sunshine, the dreams that you've got, you've spoken over me, that I'm going to see those fulfilled. It's so important that we have a framework for handling disappointment. Because life is always going to be littered with disappointment. And as a church, we know that God has been speaking to us. This year, we've been talking through Acts and the whole thing of a supernatural mission. And when we start going for more things, when we start believing God for more, for more healings, for more salvations, for more breakthrough in your family situation, for to see your communities transformed by God, when we start raising our expectation, then there is going to be more disappointment. That's just the reality. As if you pray for more people to be healed, then there are going to be people that aren't going to be healed. So we have to have a framework of how do we handle disappointment. If we pretend that it doesn't exist, then we're just going to build a wall of disappointment around our hearts. And we're going to get low expectations and cynical. We have to have a framework to say, well, okay, disappointment's going to happen, but how do I make sure I don't get stuck there? How do I make sure that wall doesn't build up? How do I make sure that I can get around disappointment, fly over disappointment, and get to a place of seeing the dreams that God has put in our hearts fulfilled. 
because that's God's plan for us. As, as, as our Heavenly Father, he's got big dreams. And that's what this proverb is saying, is actually when dreams are being fulfilled, it unlocks life. It unlocks life like you've never known before. Sadly, so many of us, so many people, Christians, have been just locked up by disappointment that actually they never see dreams fulfilled, that God speaks prophetic words and dreams over us, but actually they just have to be passed on to the next generation and passed on to the next generation because one generation just has got stuck in disappointment and hasn't known how to handle it. We believe that this is such an important message for us as God's people to get hold of, to say we're not going to be naive, we know we'll get disappointed, but we're not going to get stuck by it. We're not going to get knocked off track. We're not going to downsize our dreams. We're going to hit it head on and see the other side and see dreams fulfilled. Because our community needs it. The world around us needs God's people to start believing God. God's, the world around us needs God's people to see the supernatural life of God unlocked amongst us. And so it might mean that we have to make choices and, do, and tackle some stuff in our own lives, but the world needs us to do that if they're going to encounter God for themselves. Maybe it's, it's time for us to leave disappointment behind and start walking the path of dreams to see dreams fulfilled. I want us just to respond to God this morning because I appreciate that for all of us, there's different responses and it's a very individual thing. We've been very practical this morning. Um, there's a summary sheet of, our, of these talks in your newsletter. It might be something you just need to go away and be praying into and engaging with the Holy Spirit. There might be particular things this morning where God's really put his finger on something and think, actually, do you know, there was this moment, there was a, an event that took place or something that's happened in my life that, do you know, I'm just stuck there. I, I, I haven't moved on from that place. That disappointment is just holding me captive. And it might be that you just need to spend a bit of time with the Holy Spirit now, just confessing that and asking for his help and his power to come and unlock that in your life. So we're going to take communion. There's some people who are going to serve communion because as we take communion, this is the Bible speaks about, Jesus spoke to us about taking communion. It's the blood and the body of Christ, it's, it's, it's not, it's grape and bread, but it's done as, as examples of his body and his blood, reminding us again of what he did on the cross. This is for us as Christians. If you're not a Christian here this morning, then this, this, don't, you don't need to take communion. It's not for you, but don't feel embarrassed about that. Just let it go past. I would still encourage you to be engaging with God and speaking to him at this moment. But this is an example, if you like, of actually how God's great dream was always fulfilled. Because right at the beginning of time, he had a dream that he would have a people who he could pour his love into, who would reflect his glory and would love him back. Now, that all went wrong in the Garden of Eden when sin came in. But God didn't get disappointed. He didn't get stuck in that place. He sent Jesus to come and put the plan back in place. And one day his dream will be fulfilled. In the new heavens and the new earth, it will be filled, fulfilled completely when his people will be with him and there'll be nothing between us that we will walk with him like we did in the Garden of Eden. So this is actually, if God can do that, he can handle our dreams. If he can fulfill this dream, even though sin and Satan seem to put it right off plan, if he can redeem that and bring it back through Jesus and put it back on track, then he can handle our dreams, can't he? And it might be even this morning that there's dreams that you've got in your heart that you've died to. You just think, you know, that's never going to happen. That actually, even this morning, the Holy Spirit wants to resurrect those. He wants to breathe faith into your heart again, just like he breathed life into Jesus' body in the tomb. He wants to breathe life again 
into your dreams. So we're going to put some music on. If the guys who are going to serve as communion could come and start doing that now, that'd be great. I just want to ask you just where you are, just to be engaging with God. This is a time for you and the Holy Spirit just to be spending a moment, just to, just to engage with him. Thank him for what he's done through the cross. Thank him for what he's done. And um, then start saying, Holy Spirit, help me. If you've not had dreams, ask him to give you dreams. If you've, if you've lost the, the faith for those, then again, just say, Holy Spirit, help me. If there's things you need to deal with, then deal with them. But let's engage with God in this moment. Let's go for it, guys. Let's uh, 